understand the next time you play a family, that to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Happy New Year, Shy Hearts, and welcome back to episode 28 of Meet Us at Molly's. Um, we would just like to start off by saying surprise because it is, depending on your time zone, about five minutes after the latest episode has aired and you are getting this episode now. So uh, how we are giving this episode to you so early and so quickly, we will never tell because magicians do not reveal their secrets. But <laughs> as always, I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Gina. I'm joined by Brina. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year 2018. It's kind of crazy to think that we're in 2018, but we are. And yeah. It's so crazy. And Ashley. Hi, Happy New Year. Okay, so as always, we're going to start off with the news. And again, we are covering the episode that you just saw. So we are covering Chicago Med Season 3, Episode 5, Mountains and Molehills. So the first bit of news we have before we jump into the episode is that we got an episode description for Season 3, Episode 7. Who wants to take us through it? Somebody? Let Ashley do it. She always does these. Okay, uh, 307 is Dr. Charles feels pressure when Dr. Troy and Dr. Manning criticize his medical decision regarding an ill newborn baby. And Dr. Rose comes to terms with his relationship issues. Goodwin helps Bert, Greg, which is guest star Greg Williams, understand Lila's sickness. And Joe Minoso is guest starring in this episode. Okay, so we've got Cruz, so that's cool. Yeah. Question off of this, real quick. Go for it. Okay. Do they usually, like, when someone like Kara Kilmer or uh, Monica, like, do they always note it so, like, obvious that's like, oh, like, Kara Kilmer guest stars? Or am I just noticing yeah. for this? Okay. So this could yeah, be something as do. simple as, like, a two-second thing. It might not be as big as I thought it was. Never mind. No, yeah, it could be, but it's still, it's one of those things where, you know, we'll, we'll take our crossovers when we can get them. Yeah. And we never usually see Joe, like, crossover, so that's cool. That's true. We don't. Yeah, that'll be cool. They, the crossovers have been few and far between this season. Yeah, maybe they're saving it for that 100th episode, like, PD 100th episode, like, fire thing. I don't know, whatever. Whatever it's going to end up being, but. Yeah, so. And looking at this Goodwin thing, it sounds like. Bert might have a new woman in his life because Bert is Goodwin's ex-husband. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, so maybe. I don't know. Garcelle Beauvais is the one who's going to play Lila. She's been in a bunch of stuff. I'm trying to think of what she's been in recently. I remember her from Franklin and Bash. I think recently she was on one of those talk shows that airs during the daytime, but I draw a blank right now. But if you, if you saw her face, you would recognize her. Probably. That'll be interesting. So, yeah, that's about all the news we've got because, you know, these episodes of, you know, we, we, we may or may not have seen them early. So there may or may not be a lot of news, but that's about all we've got. But we're going to go ahead and jump into the episode again, the episode that you just saw because we love you so much. So as always, we break this down by storyline, not necessarily chronologically, but it all works out in the end. So we're going to start off with Manstead because it was all over the promo. It was the promo we had to live off of for, like, what, the past month? Yeah, somewhat. Wondering what the hell happened to Will. So 
Here we go. So the episode starts and Will and Natalie are having a casual little hookup in the backseat of Natalie's car. Oh my God. Just all the Manstead all the time. For real. Not that all I'm complaining, but like all Manstead all the time. Can we also point out the awkwardness here that, you know, Choi and April don't want their relationship to be known. So they still hook up in the supply closet. Yet Natalie and Will don't give a damn. And they're hooking up in the back of Nat's car. Yeah. Also, I don't think we've ever seen, like, in the beginnings, I'm trying to think even with, like, Dossie and Lindsay and Burzak, like, we've never seen them go this hard with a couple, like, as soon as they started together. Like, it's literally something good every single episode, and sometimes multiple good things for me instead every single episode. That's true. Like, they're going, like, full speed ahead with me instead, and, like, it's great. Which means not to be a Debbie Downer, but which means there's probably going to be some drama. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Boo. But yes, <laughs> you are like correct. TV life, but yes. Yeah, so they're kissing and making out and hooking up in the backseat of this car, and Owen, wha- or Owen Will <laughs> whams his shoulder on Owen's car seat. <laughs> Owen's not in the car seat because I'm not entirely convinced Owen exists at this point because we haven't seen him since he was born. This is baby steps, though. We get to see, like, there's a car seat. So, like, baby steps. Maybe Owen is, like, her snuffleupagus and, like, he exists to her but nobody else? I don't even know. So, yeah, Will hits his shoulder on Owen's car seat and then there's a car alarm and then Will, like, sits down on one of Owen's squeak toys. Now, let me tell you this. Okay, so I've done this before with my dog's toys, where, like, you're in the middle of, like, doing whatever. Like, I'll be talking to my parents or trying to make some big point, And then I step on the squeak toy, and all composure, like, leaves the room. <laughs> it's kind of like when somebody just trips and loses all composure, and, like, you can't help but laugh, even though you really don't want to. Yeah, it's like that. So Will just lays down, you hear the squeak toy, and the two of them are like, well, fuck it. So <laughs> they kind of give up on that. So they're walking into the ED and they literally pick up their patient on the way in. So there's this girl, Denise, she's a young girl, and they're sitting in the waiting room and the mom is kind of freaking out. She's like, somebody needs to see our daughter. She can't feel her leg. She's dragging. This is totally weird. And the daughter falls. And her timing is like perfect because this just happens to be when Will and Natalie are walking in. So Will scoops her up and they take her to an exam room. And all we really know is that she can't feel her leg. They flew back from Australia and she was complaining on the flight. And so Will just thinks it's some sort of like nerve injury. It's about all we know. So they run a bunch of tests. Everything's normal. But Will suspects it's something called, and I'm going to butcher this and I apologize in advance. Sorry, Jeff. I know you're listening. Um, (laughs) But it's something called Guillain-Barre syndrome. I didn't Google what it is. So be proud of me, Bryna, because I always Google. And it's always weird. (laughs) So... They think it's that, but they're not sure. And so they end up getting called back in later when Denise can't breathe. And it turns out that the paralysis is slowly but surely moving up her spine. So the neurologist comes to visit her. And we've seen this neurologist before. I cannot remember his name for the life of me. Do you guys remember it at all? No, not in the slightest. But like you remember his face. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's super familiar. All we know, his first name is Sam. And the minute I hear his last name, I'm going to be like, yes, why didn't I know that? But He's like super sarcastic and really funny, actually. So he examines her and he walks out. He's like, well, I can't really do much since she's sedated and intubated. But if I were to guess, I would think she's paralyzed. And Will and Nat are like, thanks, asshole. 
like whatever. And so Will's like fidgeting. He's doing something really weird with his leg. Again, not to take it back to my dog, but it's like when like I tickle him and his leg just goes crazy. So like Will's like fidgeting and going nuts. And the neurologist looks at him. He's like, are you doing the ho- uh, hokey pokey Halstead? Like, what are you doing? Just the way he rattles it off is hilarious. See, and I would have so, gone with like stanky leg over there, but you know, hokey pokey works too. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the stanky leg. I know what that is. Yeah. (laughs) A millennial reference to Gina gets. Yay. I'm not that old. I'm not that old. So anyway, (laughs) sorry, we're recording this on New Year's Day. And so I think we all had that revelation last night of like, holy shit, it's 2018. Yeah. 18. So, you know, it still hasn't really hit me yet. It really hasn't. It really hasn't. So. Later on, Natalie goes to talk to Will. Will gets up and he trips over himself. Now, I do that on a normal basis. I wouldn't suggest anything weird. I would just be like, oh, I tripped over my own feet again. Whatever. And so Nat doesn't really know what's going on, but he trips and he's like, I can't feel my foot. And so that's just kind of bad. Or he can't move his foot. I'm sorry. And so we cut forward and Will is now the patient and the diagnosis, diagnosis, I'm not drunk, I promise. The diagnosis of GBS is now like out the window. But more importantly, screw the GBS stuff. Okay, so Will is like in this hospital bed. He's the patient now in this hospital gown. He is a pouty little puppy and it's the cutest. Yeah, it's pretty great. This scene dropped as one of the sneak peeks and like that's all we noticed the whole time. Like Nat's all pouty because she's concerned about Will, but Will is just so pouty. Like, why am I here? This sucks. Like (laughs) little puppy dog Will. That's exactly what Will is this entire episode. He's a puppy dog. Yeah. So yeah, so Will's now the patient. He's a pouty little puppy dog. And so we cut forward. And while this is happening, like all of this other stuff is going on in the hospital. Like stuff we're going to talk about. Like April and Choi have stuff. Noah has stuff. Connor has stuff. But nobody seems to like be even the slightest bit concerned that Will's a patient. Like it doesn't even seem that nobody's even mentioned it. Like unless you were working on Will's case, you don't know about it. Which seems weird because I feel like in any other instance, like even in past like episodes and past seasons, like anytime something happens to one of their own, like it news spreads fast and then people are up in the room and you know like checking in on them or whatever. But this one, it seems like nobody even got told that Will's, you know, getting MRIs and in the actual the patient. And like, I get that everybody's busy and they have patients to treat, but like, one of their own is in the hospital as a patient. You would think they would at least want to like pop by or like, like spread the word, send, send them a text. Right. I mean, it's his legs that are paralyzed, not his arms. He can text back. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, nobody seems concerned at all. Uh, Except for Maggie, because later on in the doctor's lounge, Natalie's researching and Maggie comes in and very much just in passing, Maggie's like, oh, yeah, so I heard Will was getting a head MRI. Like, is he cool? What's up there? Just totally casual, like, oh, no big deal. Okay, just, yeah. Somebody's concerned, at least. Slightly, only slightly, not that much. But still, someone. And nobody bothered to call Jay, but okay. Yeah. This would have been a great Halstead Brothers moment, but we'll move on from that. We haven't had any Halstead Brothers action since 501. Oh my Just god. Just gonna point that out. I know. Yeah. It's not okay. Whatever. Boo. Anyway, so 
Yeah, so Will's just casually getting a brain MRI. Maggie's like, oh, hey, is he cool? Okay, I hope so. And so they're talking, and then Nat gets called to the pediatric ICU where Denise is just magically all better. She's walking. She's great. She's wonderful. And the neurologist is like, yeah, it must have been some toxin that had to work its way out of her system. And he kind of describes it as like something playing tag. And so when the girl hugs Nat, that's when it kind of clicks for her. And so they have a cute moment here where, you know, Nat hands him like an iPad with his MRI on it. And Will's like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Like, what the hell are you doing? And so Nat's like, see that bump? I thought it was a mole, but, and then she pulls his hair and he's like, ow. And she's like, yeah, it was a tick. So all of that hype, that promo that scared us to death for like a month, and it was all over a tick. Whatever. So it turns out the tick must have like latched onto Denise in Australia. And then when he picked her up, it jumped. And so that's what happened. So it gets worse before it gets better. So Will still has to spend the night in the ICU. But Nat views this as a total positive because after Maggie comes to visit, because again, Maggie is the only person aside from Nat who seems to give a damn about Will in this hospital. Uh, Nat like draws the curtains and climbs on top of them. So they get their hookup after all. In literally while Will is a patient in the freaking like hospital Mm -hmm. in the middle of med. Yeah. So good. Like take notes, sex toy next time you're looking for privacy. Right. Yeah. I don't don't know. Yeah. It was really cute. Contrast between the contrast between the two of them is insane. Mm-hmm. Like, I get, obviously, cu- every couple, every relationship is its own relationship, but these two could not be any more different. Right. You're talking Manstead versus Sex Toy. Sex Toy, yes. Sex Toy is the best ship name. How did we not come up with that sooner? <laughs> I don't know. No, they really are. They're two opposite ends of the spectrum, but they also have two different foundations. Manstead right. had the slowest of slow burns. They had, like, a heat wave before anything else. They didn't even have a, it didn't burn until like, yeah, whatever. I'm getting off track. But Chexton just had sex twice. Sex sorry. Toy. I'm on my second cup of coffee. Work with me here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So sex toy just had their awkward, like meet cute at the end of season two. But yeah, they could, they're night and day, but that Manstead moment, just this, this was a cute Manstead episode and they've all been cute, but I don't know. First, like for some reason I'm on such a Manstead kick lately. And I can't quite explain it. There's also a really cute moment here with Maggie and Will that I did want to just touch on because it's just Maggie and Will and their cute little Maggie and Willness, even though we've like only seen it once in med history. Uh, (laughs) They're talking about the tick and how it was in his hair. And Maggie just like grabs his hair and is like, there's not a creature in the world that can resist this hair. Just so cute. So, so cute. So good. So true. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Everybody notices that about, well, I, I must be like the weird one who like, it took me a while before I was like, oh yeah, like Will's got red hair. It just never, I don't know. Like I, I forced my boyfriend to watch an episode with me last week and I was like describing them to everybody, like describing the characters. He's like, so is Will the ginger? I was like, oh yeah, yeah, he is. I always just describe him. I'm like, no, that's Jay's brother. But <laughs> yeah. So off track today. Oh, my goodness. I'm so all over the place. Anyway, yeah. Nat draws the curtains. They hook up. And Manstead lives happily ever after for another week to come. Yay. So, Bryna, in an effort to shut myself up because I'm just, like, rambling today, why don't you talk about April and Choi? Okay. Let's do this. My favorites. 
not really, but you know. This I can better. switch storylines with you if you want. Like, yeah, why don't we switch storylines? I'll, okay, so I'll, I'll take something else. Okay, go ahead and for now, just so we don't have to listen to me like for a while, talk Let's, about Noah. Yes. And then we'll circle I, back. Okay. Yes, I would love to talk about Noah. Okay. So, Noah and Connor, the way they start off the episode is they're working together in trauma and they treat a teenager who comes in following a car accident. Um, so, there's a couple of victims, and so Rhodes gets pulled away to treat the second one. And Noah ends up taking charge of this actual teenager who comes in. Um, it's not really a big deal. The, the, at kind of first, it just seems like he has a dislocated hip, which is actually totally a big deal. But, you know, they just kind of play it off. I'm like, okay, yeah, he'll be fine. Yes, he will be fine. But dislocated hip is much more than, like, it's an, it's an actual issue. But whatever. Anyway. But Spencer, the teenager who's getting treated, all he can think about is this woman that he hit. And he, you know, Noah then makes the mistake, and he's like, you know, don't worry, she'll make it. Face palm. Face palm. No. And then, um, like, it's followed by Noah asking Rhodes if he can tell the kid that she'll be okay. No. And he's like, no, don't ever do that. Just like, such a bad mistake, Noah. Like, bad mistake. And then I was thinking about it as I was, like, going through the outline today, and put this in my things I need to ask my father, the surgeon column. Um, I want to know, does this actually happen to like real life doctors or non TV doctors? Like just, you know, like are they smart Are not are doctors not on TV smart enough to like know never to promise anything. Like, because I feel like any, like in any medical show, there's always at least one person at some point who makes this mistake of like promising something when they can't actually like, you know, hold that promise, and then shit goes bad, and stuff happens. But, like, does yeah. that actually ever happen to real doctors? Like, is that the first thing they're taught in med school? Like, that doesn't ever, like, I just, I don't know. I need to know. Things I need to know. We need to start a list of questions that you need to ask your father. I know. Like, like put this, this is, like, definitely not the first time I've thought of things I need to ask my father. Or we should just have your father on the show. Oh, God. <laughs> That would not go well. <laughs> that would not go well. But yes, things I will ask him eventually. Do doctors ever actually promise things they can't keep when it comes to If you can think of anything else that we should ask Brian's father, <laughs> <laughs> tweet it to me. Hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hashtag ask Brian's father. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Noah makes this mistake. He does tell him that she'll be okay, but... Connor's like, dude, don't, you shouldn't do that. Um, so after surgery, Connor checks in on Spencer and Connor actually tells him that the woman pulled through, which is also against HIPAA violations, but you know, whatever they kind of, Connor's like, you know, he kind of says like, well, I'm not really supposed to say anything, but I'm going to say something and whatever. Breaking laws and, everywhere. I know. Always casually too. Mm-hmm. You know, but whatever. Um, so Spencer's family is with him, his mom and his older brother. His older brother has a basketball game, and but his mom doesn't want to leave him to just, like, take him to the basketball game. But Noah's like, you know, I'll, like, watch out for him. He'll be fine. So, like, you should go ahead and, like, take him to the basketball game. Um, so Spencer wants to go see this woman that he saved, and Noah finally arranges it so that he can. 
Um, and so when Noah is taking Spencer to go see the woman that he hit, he all of a sudden just collapses. Um, and it's not because of his hip and, like, not being able to walk. Like, it's because of his lungs and his heart or whatever. So Noah and Rhodes try to save him, but he ultimately passes away there. Um, and eventually they say it's probably because of a blood clot that developed after the scans, um, since the scans initially were clear. Um, but, you know, obviously there was nothing they could do. Like, think those things happen. Um, so Connor offers to break the news to the family, but Noah says, you know, no, it's my responsibility. Like, I should be the one to do it. Um, Can and I there's just a- mention here how, yeah. like, Noah is so... This is such a good episode for Noah because he goes from just like young, tiny little resident doctor to like, he like mans up. And I can't think of a better term for that, but just, it's I good love for how, his character development. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of character development. I just yeah. love how Connor's like, well, you know, I can do this for you and soften the blow. Noah's like, no, no, it should be me. Yeah. Like, Noah's stepping up big time this episode. Yeah. He's also like, I feel just in season three in general, like, you've kind of seen that progression from like, just, like, innocent, like, resident who, you know, thinks everything's, like, all peachy keen and whatever to more of a, like, actual doctor who has his, like, head, like, grounded in, like, the medicine and, like, knows, like, okay, not everything's as peachy keen as I once thought it was. Like, you really have seen that, like, arc a little bit in just, like, five episodes. Yeah. It's been good. Um, And there's this, like, awkward hug from his sister April, but, like, it's a little awkward. But. It's totally awkward. It's like she like puts her arm around him, but it's not like a pat on the shoulder, but it's like it's like you would if you were going into like a full hug. I'm like, April, commit, come on. Like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> it was a little yeah. awkward. But yeah. You know, she wanted to yeah. be there for her baby brother. Uh, I get it. It's cool. Yeah, no, I totally get it too. Um, so when Noah goes to break the news to his family, he does it in this manner. And it's, you know, very professional and compassionate and, like, calm. And, you know, he really, for having not, I mean, I'm assuming just based on the way this whole thing went down that this was probably his first time doing that. I don't know that for a fact. But, like, for it being your first time, like, he did it very well. But then, of course, things go crazy. And the teen's brother, the basketball player, beats, literally beats the crap out of Noah. Literally beats the crap out of him. And then, of course, throws him through a glass door. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, first off, this is his first time that he's lost a patient, right? So shouldn't Connor have been there? Like, somebody should have actually just been beside him for, like, moral support. Right. And I feel like most of the time when that happens and, like, other things, like, no matter what, whether it's your first time or your 50th time, like, you usually don't do it alone unless you are the attending. Like, as a resident. ask your dad. Uh, yeah, things I need to ask my dad. <laughs> things I will ask him. Yeah. You should be writing all these down on a piece of paper. Well, luckily they're in the oh, Luckily, I'm going to start putting them in the out. We're going to start marking these in the outline, guys. And then I, yeah, I'll just like compile a list. And next time I go home, I'll just ask him. It's true. What were you saying, though, since he's a resident? Yeah, no, but I was just saying, like, as a resident, I would feel like every single time, like, somebody should be with him. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter that it was his first time. It should be like, you know, as a resident, like you're still technically not a doctor. So like an actual doctor should be with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just other things I don't get like, okay, first off, that is some flimsy ass glass. If like <laughs> all the brother had to do was like slightly push Noah towards the door and it cracked. Come on now. 
But I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe the quality was shit that they used to rebuild the ED after it got blown up the second time. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah, I mean, that is some flimsy ass class. And plus, like, tell me nobody heard the commotion of the brother throwing Noah up against the wall before they right. went through the door. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It makes no sense. And then kind of going off of that, so Reese is like all of a sudden appears and she calls for security, but then security doesn't show up, but instead April and Connor show up. That's some great security detail there, Med. Great security not, detail. Not helping Sarah at all. No. Yeah, because she calls for security and instead doctors show up. And she's already freaking out, but we'll talk about that. Well, I would just say this. At least it was a Dr. Charles who showed up to, like, assess the, like, brother's, like, mental well-being. At least it wasn't him. Because she might yeah. have gone, like, a little insane if that happened. I mean, she goes a little insane, but... She does. Not because of... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that happens. And then Noel basically, I mean, he's fine. He, you know, two stitches later, he kind of leaves the hospital I mean, obviously, he's, like, kind of down in the dumps, but all he really is is, like, he's holding this ice pack to his chin, so, like, he'll be fine, but. I felt so bad for him, but this was a very, very good episode for Noah, and he handled the whole situation so professionally and so mature and just well. Yeah. Like I said, it was surprising. I mean, like I said, this is, like, his breakout, I mean, granted, he hasn't been at the forefront of, like, a whole lot of episodes, but just kind of. In the background, his kind of breakout from, like I said, like this innocent person to this like actually someone who is capable of being like a real doctor has been like really interesting to watch. Yeah, very interesting. And so, and it's worth noting too. I mean, it's not like significant, significant, but Noah had asked Sarah to go to Doris's birthday party earlier in the episode, and he didn't. He didn't end up going because he ended up just kind of like sulking his way home. Poor baby. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Another puppy dog this episode. I just want to hug them all. Side note on the Noah asking Sarah, how many, do we think that's actually going to become like a thing? Like an actual like couple thing? I don't know. Because Sarah's in a bad place right now. Right. I mean, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like obviously the next like couple of episodes. Like I'm saying like even at the end of season three, just because like they keep hinting at it. Like it's like little, like literally one little thing, like each episode they have something. Yeah, I don't know. I could see, like, Reese going to Noah about what she's going through. Yeah, where is that scene? I could dig that. Where is anybody coming to Sarah about what she's going through? That's what I want to know. Right, and I feel like Noah, out of anyone, has noticed it the most. Not that anyone's, like, fully, like, noticed it, but he's noticed that she's off. The most. But, yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's just, like, that whole, like, their whole friendship this season has, like, been really interesting. And whether it turns into dating or something more, I don't know. But that's kind of seemed what they've hinted at, especially just because, like I said, it, whether it's him asking her to go to Doris's birthday party or him asking her to go to whatever, like, he seems to want it, but I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, and the, all the scenes are really fleeting between them. And then aren't we supposed to meet Sarah's estranged father at some point? Yeah, I think it's, like, these next, I mean, like, maybe, obviously, like, these next couple episodes at some point. Yeah, so maybe they're just kind of, like, putting a placeholder there, like, if they want to cover it or not. Maybe. 
I don't know, theories, theories, theories. Okay, so we are going to touch on Reese, but we're going to circle back. We're going to talk about April and Choi first, and then we'll come back to Dr. Charles and Reese. So basically, April and Choi have a patient. Well, it starts off, actually. Their storyline starts off because, oh, goody, it's Doris's birthday. Oh, yay. Just like so, continuous eye rolls. Yeah, yeah. So April's invited. Um and she, uh, like, why is she invited? Because Doris has not been nothing but a bitch to April, but whatever. And then she invites Dr. Choi, and Dr. Choi's like, yeah, I'm not going. And April's like, mm, or not April, Doris is like, yeah, that was just a courtesy invite. I'm like, there's Doris, this bitch. Like, she's the worst. <laughs> yeah, she oh is Oh, my gosh. And so April's like, you're not going to the party? Well, what are you going to do instead? And Ethan's like, um, anything else? Literally, Ethan is me in this situation. I would probably rather be doing literally anything else. So great. And so he then looks at her and he's like, why you care what Doris thinks is beyond me. And I'm over here like, I'm sorry, did we write that scene, the three of us? Because that is exactly something we would say. Yeah. Did we possess Dr. Troy and like puppeteer him for that moment? Because that's literally, I'm pretty sure we've said exactly that at some point in the past couple months. Probably literally every episode we've done on bed this season. Right. So funny. And so a young woman comes in and she's brought in and she's dizzy and disoriented and she has a high fever. Now, before I get to that, though, I should circle back because the whole concern is that April's, April doesn't want their relationship to be public, as we know. And so Choi's like, yeah, well, you know, you can hide your relationship, but I'm not going to hide it in my off time. So that's the thing about that. So a young woman comes in. She's dizzy. She's disoriented. She's got a high fever. Also, hey, Chow. She was brought in by Chow. Hi. <laughs> so they examine her, and she's also got lesions on her stomach and her back that are consistent with AIDS. And so the minute Choi suggests an HIV test, she denies it. Just she refuses flat out. So they do a little research, and she's been in and out of, is it Mercy West? Is that the hospital? No, that's Grey's Anatomy. No. <laughs> There is another hospital. Damn it. (laughs) No, but if you look back at the episode, there is another name. There's there's another hospital name. Damn it. It's not Lakeshore. It's another one. I don't know. If it's not Lakeshore, then I don't remember. It's Mercy something, I swear. Damn it. Okay, anyway. So... There's another hospital that's not Lakeshore, I'm telling you. I need them to have, like, a hospital, like, softball league or something so I can keep all these hospitals in Chicago straight. Like, I'm losing my mind. Anyway, so she's been in and out of other hospitals, but she's always refused the HIV test. And so Stoll suggests surfing her, or surfing, turfing her. What does that mean? I tried Googling it, and I couldn't find out what that actually means. I think it basically just means, like, sending her back to that hospital because she's their problem. Like, they can't figure it out, and so she's right. their problem. That's what I figured just from, like, context that it, that's what it meant. But, like, you literally try to Google it, and it comes up with, like, literally doing something with actual turf. Hmm. And I could not find it. I mean, granted, I didn't Google it but for, like, two seconds, but I took your cue, and I Googled it, and I could not figure it out. She Googled something. I'm so proud. <laughs> I did Google something. So, yeah, Stoll suggests turfing her because he's a heartless old man. And Goodwin is like, hey, wait a second. We're going to do a psych consult. So the girl's aunt shows up. And the patient, now, I could not catch her name for the life of me. It's My closed captioning didn't pick it up. I usually like to have the spelling. I didn't have it. I couldn't catch it. So the girl's aunt shows up. And the girl basically tells her aunt that it's just the flu. And Troy just and April are looking at each okay. other. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're looking at her like she's so lying, but okay, whatever. And so Dr. Charles does a psyche eval and determines that she's capable of rational decision making. But again, Stoll, since he's a grumpy old man, just doesn't really take this well. And Charles even tells him at one point, he's like, just because you don't like the decision she's making doesn't mean she's not capable of making decisions. Right. Just hashtag shut up, Stoll. And so Goodwin just kind of explains the stigma that comes with an AIDS diagnosis and is basically like, hey, Stoll, calm the F down, be sensitive, you're being a dick. So, let's see. Yeah, so April and Troy are talking lately, and they're like, yeah, the, they're talking later, and they're like, yeah, the aunt has to know. There's no way she doesn't know this. And April goes, well, there's a difference between knowing something and saying it out loud, because when you say it out loud, it becomes real. And Troy's like, April, it's real whether it's said or not. So you see the contrast between them here, how, you know, April's the emotional one. Ethan's more the logical one because Ethan's just not, Ethan doesn't operate on that level of just like, you know, the minute you say something, it's real because there's like a psychological impact that Troy's just, you know. Right. And you see it too, kind of how, I mean, it obviously, the whole series, I mean, it's sent on like their patients kind of mimicking what's going on in their personal lives. So like you see it in this moment that like, is obviously talking about their relationship. Like, April's afraid that, like, when she says something, like, that's when it becomes real. But April, like, Choi says, you know, like, our relationship, basically it's saying, like, our relationship's real, like, whether it's that, like, we say something or not. Like, this is real. Yeah, like, at least that's how it is to him. I mean, how many times in your life have you have you said something, had something that, like, you didn't want to say it out loud because the minute you did, it just changed everything, you know? Right, yeah. So. So, yeah, they point that out. And... So the aunt points out later that, you know, she's not getting any better and suspects it's because they're immigrants, so they're not getting the best care. And so Dr. Choi is about to pull a Manning and, like, let it slip. And he's like, yeah, there's other tests that we should do and, like, Babylon. But Goodwin's like, let's go into this room and talk about something else. Because he's about to go all, like, casual criminal because, you know, whatever. And so Goodwin's like, haven't you heard of the HIPAA law? And I'm like haven't you seen all of the episodes where every single doctor <laughs> under your leadership breaks the law? Right. Since when do we care? HIPAA to them is like suggested guidelines. It's like, yeah. it actually, it's not like law. It is like suggested guidelines. Yeah. HIPAA's just there for them to be like a pain in the ass. Like, right. Yeah. Just, yeah. And so, yeah, she bitches at him and she's like, you know, we can't, we can't break this rule, even though, you want to tell her. And Choi's like, LOL, uh, Natalie breaks it every week, but okay. And so <laughs> Choi's like, yeah, well, if all we were going to do was follow the rules, we should have just turfed her back to the other hospital. So that's how Med operates, is that if they can't break the rule, they're just like, mm, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. But I love it. I'm not complaining. So yeah. later on, Goodwin sits with the girl, and I guess this is Goodwin's way of finding a way around it. So Goodwin sits with her and shows her files of AIDS patients that she lost back in the 80s. Now, wasn't she just bitching to Troy about the HIPAA laws? Yes, she was. Yes, yes, So, pot versus kettle? You guys don't know that expression, do you? Yes, I do. Okay, just checking, just checking. I got scared. (laughs) <laughs> no yeah no i do know that but yeah it's exactly that okay unless i mean granted we don't know the HIPAA laws or maybe you guys do i do not so maybe once a patient is deceased it doesn't apply anymore i don't know if you do um, email us let us know um, you, 
a little gray area, but like you still probably shouldn't be doing that. Okay. Yeah. So I found that ironic that she was like, you can't violate HIPAA. And then she's like, here, let me tell you all about these old patients I lost in the 80s. But she tells, the girl tells Goodwin that, you know, she doesn't want to lose her family, but Goodwin assures her. She's like, you know, your aunt loves you. She's not going anywhere. Just, you know, and she says, she says, don't rob yourself of a future that these young people could only dream about. And so the storyline ends with April walking in and the girl tells April that she wants the HIV test. And so April and Goodwin share like a nod of approval of like, hey, good job. And then Maggie and Doris are leaving the hospital and Doris is like, hey, even though I've been so mean to you in every single episode this season, are you coming to my birthday party? And April grabs Ethan's hand and is like, me and my boyfriend will be there. This is like a big step for sex toy, isn't it? It's a big step, but I still, I don't know. I'm still very indifferent to them. Like I, this, like, I feel like this should have been the moment where April finally obviously did something about their relationship and talks about it and whatever, but I still kind of don't really care. Ashley? Yeah, I don't really care for him either. It's a step in the right direction, though. It is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I don't, like want to gouge my eyes out every time I watch them anymore but I just like I don't care like I'm so indifferent to them like I don't love it but I'm not hating it anymore I think that this since this was a big step and it was taken by April I think it deserves a little bit more attention slash significance because if it were by Ethan we'd be like well whatever Ethan's aboard this relationship we know he's fully committed Right. But the fact that this was April that was like, screw you, Doris, we're for real. Right. No, I think I that's can, kind of a big deal. Right. And I, I understand the significance and I think that it's true. Like it, in terms of like when we look back and be like in, chronic, in our chronicling the sex toy relationship, like, yes, like this will be like the pivotal moment. But for me as a fan, I still like I don't care. Like I, they haven't had like a moment to me. That is like, wow, like, I want to be invested in them. Like, I understand the significance of that of this moment, but I think that's different than me having my moment and being like, wow, like, that's something I want to invest in. Yeah, I'm going to stay positive and I'm going to be like, hey, this is a step in the good direction. And maybe that moment is coming. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm still like, I will be like, when I if I see that moment, I will say like, wow, that was a moment that is invest like has made me invested in sex toy as a fan. But, like, right now, like, I'm still just kind of, like, eh. But it's also been five episodes. Like, I think it's also hard for me because I want to compare it to, like, Med and even Fire just because, like, they've had more episodes. Like, they had more episodes before they had, like, they actually had mid-season finales where Med just kind of had four episodes and they're like, eh, we gave you something. And, like, the rest of, like, 2018 is going to be big for Med. So, for me, it's kind of hard to think that, like, oh, yeah, like, it's only just been four episodes. Like, there is time for them to turn it around. Very true. Very true. Ashley, any thoughts? No, I agree with Brian. So, yeah, so that's a wrap for April and Choi. Um, it is great when April's like, my boyfriend and I will meet you there because Maggie's like, good for you. And then she's like, pick up your jaw, Doris. <laughs> yeah. Screw you, Doris. Nobody likes you. But, yeah, so that's about it for April and Choi. It's a step in the right direction. So I... I'm hopeful. There's a lot of 2018 left to go. So 
Yes. I'm hopeful. So yeah, so now we'll skip forward. We'll go ahead and talk about Dr. Charles and Reese because this came to a rather unexpected ending. What do you think? Yeah, I just, I we're going to talk about this in like one second, but I just, I don't like the way they've been dealing with Reese. Like Reese is being treated, but we'll talk about that like in two seconds. Brenda, why don't you take us through this? Yeah, so Dr. Charles is back and Sarah's just been kind of chilling and doing nothing but researching whatever. Um, there's not, like, a whole, like, they don't really have, like, a patient. They've kind of just been assisting with, like, everyone else. Um, so there's not, like, a whole lot to their storyline, but it is, like we said, something that we have to talk about. Um, so later, Sarah's car gets broken into, and she starts immediately flipping out, as one should. I probably would. Um, and she immediately suspects, like, the police come and talk to her and get her statement, and she's like, it's gotta be Edith Lake. And the cops are like, who is that? And she tells them, and she's like, you know, this, it was this patient I had this confrontation with. And, like, she slashed my tires and whatever. But the cops just kind of brush it off. And this whole thing, the whole her car getting broken into, is consistent with a pattern of other break pattern of other break-ins that have happened in the area, like, around, around the hospital in the last, like, month or so. Um, so they kind of were just like, yeah, well, it could be that. Or it could also just be this guy who's breaking into people's car. So they kind of just dust it off. And Dr. Charles tries to, like, get Sarah's mind off of everything that just happened by consulting on a patient with him, but she bails. She's like, I can't do this. Um, and then she, after Noah's attacked, I said, you know, we said earlier that Reese is the one that calls security. So she's by Noah's side as she's like getting the stitches or whatever. And she's adamant that he presses charges. She's like, no, you've got to do this. Like what he did is wrong. Like you should go for it. Noah's like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, the, bro- the guy just lost his brother, you know, like, he's already been through enough today. Like, it was just a reaction. Um, but when Noah doesn't press charges, um, Reese asked Maggie, like, why wasn't there a security guard in the room from the beginning? And she says, you know, she's like, how are we just, how are we supposed to do our jobs if we don't feel safe and protected? But how is she supposed to overcome her anxiety if everyone is just going to awkwardly stand there and not do or say anything about it? Right, and I feel like especially Dr. Charles, who is, you know, the freaking head of psychiatry, like, how does he not see something is actually wrong at this point? Like, to me, this is just getting ridiculous. Like, yes, I guess it's only been four, five episodes now, but, like, come on. Someone's got to give. No, right, it got ridiculous for me in this episode when she was not yelling at Maggie, but she was, you know, very vocal with Maggie, and... It was one of those moments where everything like awkwardly quieted down and everybody was watching her, yet nobody did or said anything. Instead of be like, hey, Sarah, why don't we go in somewhere and talk? Why don't we do this? That's when it started getting ridiculous, is that an entire hospital of people who claim to be her family are just going to watch her spin out and not do anything about it? Right, and I almost understand it slightly more if this was, say, like on PD or fire, just because like they're not doctors, but... Her family is an entire group of doctors who are smart and trained in, like, dealing with these things. So how does, how did they not see it? And Dr. Charles, like I said, is the freaking head of psychiatry, and he is her mentor. How does he not see this? Exactly. Like, I just don't understand. Like, it makes no sense. None. So crazy. It's just, oh. Anyway. I'm ready for them to find a solution to all of this. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's been a good arc for her, 
but it's starting to get a little redundant. Granted, we did see a big step forward in tonight's episode. So, right. you know, it came to a, that ending was kind of, you know, I don't know. It was, it, I don't even know how to describe it. So, I mean, maybe, maybe it is going to come to a head in, you know, the next episode or two episodes from now. Yeah. But anyway, so like Gina's pointing at, so towards the end of the episode, Sarah's waiting for an Uber because obviously her car's been broken into. Um, when Dr. Charles comes out to talk and she, you know, she's like, I swear my comment to Maggie was just like that. It was just an innocuous comment. Um, and Dr. Charles even goes so far to say like, well, maybe the ED is not for you. And she kind of somewhat snaps back, but you know, it's kind of calm about it in like some instances, but she's like, you know, no, like this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, this is where I belong. The other thing that gets me about that is she was like, yeah, it was an innocuous comment. And Dr. Charles is like, innocuous comment, Sarah, we're both psychiatrists. And I'm like, exactly, you're both psychiatrists so that you should be seeing what the hell is happening right in front of your eyes. Right. Yeah. It just, oh. It's insane. Yeah. So then, yeah, take us through how this episode ends. I forgot to add it into the outline. So the episode ends with Sarah going to, I'm assuming it's a gun shop. It kind of almost looks like a pawn slash gun shop, but whatever. And so she starts looking through these guns and she makes the comment about like wanting to buy one. And the guy who works there, you know, I don't remember exactly what the name of the forum is, but he asks her if she like has it and she's like, uh, no. And he's like, well, you're going to have to like fill this out and go through the process. And she's like, it can be like a couple months. And she's like, so wait, you mean I can't like get one now? And he's like, no, no, no. Um, he's like, I kind of, what did he suggest? Like a knife? Isn't that what he said? Pepper Something, spray. Pepper spray. Yeah. And he's like that, like it seems to be work. And, but you can clearly kind of see that like her and like in her head, like the wheels are turning and she's like, how can I get, like, it just seems to think that like she's thinking of other ways to kind of get her hand on a gun. That's not like through the legal process. Can you imagine Sarah Reese on the floor of the ED with a gun? I like, don't want to like, I'm not trying to laugh because obviously like it's only a serious thing, but like literally you just said that and I can't even imagine it. So I'm like, what, my first response is to laugh because that just seems so silly. And like, would it get, that, that's gotta be something that would get her fired if it was discovered, right? Like on her person while she was visiting patients? Yes. I mean, I guess there's, like, I don't know, like, because, I mean, had she gone through and, like, legally gotten it and, like, had concealed carry, like, could could they fire her for that? I don't know. But clearly she's going to go about it in, like, illegal ways, so, yes, they definitely could fire her for that. If she, yeah, if she were to go about it in illegal ways. Granted, I mean, I guess this is where it gets state-specific, because in Texas, my weird-ass wacky state, they have open carry, but... Right. Different places, different like businesses and things like that can post signs in the door that are like, you know, not in this. You have to conceal it. Right. But yeah, it's dicey. I mean, I was really surprised to see Sarah go in there. And yeah, so she's going to get the pepper spray. I hope this doesn't, I hope it stops with the pepper spray. I hope this doesn't progress any further to the point that she's bringing a gun to the hospital because then things get really scary when that happens. Yeah. And I just, like, I don't know, like, now that you say, like, about, like, in terms of her bringing it to the hospital, i kind of curious to see, like, if that were to happen, like, who would find out about it? Like, how would they find out about it? Like, would she 
carry it in her like white coat? Would she just leave it in her locker at the hospital? Because that seems to be the place that she feels the most unsafe, you know, and just, just even her having it in her locker would make her feel safer. I don't know. So many Would it like accidentally go off? Oh God. I think I then not. she would definitely be fired. Oh yeah. She would definitely be fired for that. And if they didn't fire her for that, and, like, because they, they ended up, like, declaring her, you know, like, something mentally wrong with her, like, not mentally insane, but, like, something similar to that, then I'd almost be more pissed about the whole situation. Because more that's pissed than we already should, are. Right, because that's something they should have done, like, five episodes ahead, is, like, declare her, like, that something was wrong with her. And then also, like, yes... She might have been mentally insane, but that doesn't mean you can't fire her because, like, that is something that is also wrong. So, like, it's, like, my whole thing is, like, I'd be probably even more pissed if they didn't fire her and, like, declared her mentally insane. Oh, man. Fingers and toes crossed that it just stops with the pepper spray. Fingers and toes crossed, but I don't know. Just something about the way she kind of had this, like, look in her eyes made it seem like she's not going to stop at pepper spray. Oh, my God. Mm. that'll be a fun episode to talk about that episode yeah that episode is just going to be us yelling basically (laughs) yeah it'll be like 45 minutes of us yelling about sarah and then like 10 minutes of us like cramming in everything else yeah yeah it's going to be like how did dr charles not notice this is such bullshit also in the news (laughs) like (laughs) yeah be like sarah deserved better god damn it and man's dead by the way (laughs) (laughs) Man, yeah, so a lot of crazy stuff happening there. Just, ooh, yeah. So the last bit that we'll talk about is Connor and Robin because we had a little bit of a storyline there to follow. And this one kind of got on my nerves a little bit too. So, yeah, so Connor and Robin, they're getting ready in the morning and Robin has purchased some new clothes. And so... Robin's like, yeah, it was an impulse buy. I just kind of want to start feeling like me again, you know, whatever. And so Connor basically unzips her shirt because he wants to have sexy time. But Robin's like, no, I have to go. And so she's like, doesn't your shift start? And he's like, no, I'm on trauma service today. To which I say, yes. (laughs) But he basically suggests that Robin, quote unquote, channel her impulsivity into other activities. Robin doesn't take this very well. And I get that because, like, you know, it's been a while since she's had this brain tumor going on like and he keeps just I don't know it keeps coming up and I get that it's still part of her life but like comes to a point where you just got to stop reminding her you know right right and so she doesn't take it well but she does agree to dinner and no movie quote-unquote later that night so we don't see her for the rest of the episode and you know it's just kind of moving on and they end the episode I guess they're waiting on their reservation at some restaurant or something and she's trying on scarves and their buzzer goes off for the table and Connor leaves and Robin pockets the scarf. Yeah, like what the hell? I oh think my maybe goodness. it's because like we literally did not see Robin except for these two scenes the entire episode. So I was just like, oh wait, what? Robin is now literally not even medical casually committing crimes, but literally casually committing crimes. Well, and plus, it's, it seems like she's not getting better, even though they keep swearing that she is. And now she's doing all this stuff that's just making her look like a pain in the ass. 
This and not somebody thing, who's dealing with an illness. Yeah. This whole thing just kind of seems like their way of setting up how they're eventually going to send her out of here. Yeah. And even in the, the description we read earlier for 307, Connor comes to terms, air quotes. So, yeah, they're headed down a bad road. But I don't like the way it, it's getting redundant with Robin. Because yeah, yeah. they're again, they're just painting her like she's a crazy pain in the ass and she's not. She's, you know. She went through something really traumatic and she's still dealing with the side effects. Right. And she's still and it's not that even she's just dealing with the side effects. It's that she's continuously being treated like she has something wrong with her. Yeah. And I mean. And like medically and physically, she is fine. She's been cleared to go back to work. She's been cleared to live at home again. Like. There's nothing actually wrong with her. Right. They're just side effects. Right. But yeah, it's getting redundant. And so, yeah, it's going to, I don't know. We'll see what they're going to do. But I can't, Robin just casually stole the scarf. Casual criminals all over one Chicago. <laughs> right. And, like, this, like I said, usually they have to do with, like, medical and, like, patients and whatever. This is literally her stealing, like, the act, most actual of a crime we've actually ever seen in one Chicago. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, so I, I can think of a million casual crimes on med. I can think of a million casual crimes on PD that happened in one episode. Let's think about fire. Casual crimes that happen on fire. Um, well, Cruz commits murder. He does. Um, yeah. Hope steals the $10,000. Right. Let's see. What else? What else? What else? Gabby probably commits 10. It's the most person to casually commit crimes there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in season one when she kicked that guy off the back of the ambo, that was probably assault. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Casual crimes, just everywhere. The biggest Casual. one, though, was definitely Joe murdering Flacco. Yeah. Yeah, that is the biggest one. You know, casual. Very casual. Oh, casual that time Severide supposedly, like, um, well, this was not actually casual, and he didn't actually do it, but what, didn't he um, supposedly kill that guy in the accident in last year's crossover to, like, kick off the new year? They thought it, he'd, like, they thought he did. They suspected right. him of it because, you know, nobody has faith in Kelly Severide. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't even know. That, yeah, that was one. Well, he, he also beat the shit out of whoever kidnapped Katie. So we're led to presume. Right. Oh, God, we could play this game forever. <laughs> it's going to be a great trivia question one day. Right? Right? Exactly. Goodness. <laughs> but yeah, that- Instead of playing the uh, who committed what crime game, which is actually kind of fun and we could actually play for hours, um, I think that's a wrap on season <laughs> yeah. three, episode five of Chicago Med. So do you guys have any overall thoughts about the episode? I'm just curious to kind of see now that we, I mean, we've established like with Reese and with Robin, like some things that could end, you know, in the next couple of episodes, like go very drastic. I'm kind of curious to see how those play out. Yeah, we're setting up for some big stuff with Reese and even with Connor and Robin. That makes me sad. Um, yeah, they're setting up for some big stuff. And I want to believe that Manstead has nothing but sunny skies ahead. But Ashley, I think you might be right that there are, you know, yeah. rough times coming ahead. Yeah. But yeah. Nobody and... ever stays happy on TV for long. No, well, they can't. I mean, it makes for boring television. I get it. It just kind of sucks. But I think with Berzik, we've suffered enough, but that's just my two cents. So, (laughs) 
you know, whatever. So, but yeah, that's about all we've got for the episode. Again, uh, we hope you enjoyed the surprise. We actually have a second part of the surprise. And the second part is that there's another surprise on Thursday. Yay! <laughs> so, as always, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. We are everywhere. We're at Meet Us at Molly's. Send us a DM. Email us at us at Molly's at gmail.com. You can find us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. Ashley? I'm at Ashley I am also going to take this moment before we sign off just to remind you that the Chicago Heroes event is happening very soon. Now that it's 2018, the Chicago Heroes event is happening in two months. Right, Bryna? Yeah. May. No, I'm literally about to say May again. Oh, my gosh. No, it's not May. March third and fourth yes and we so only literally two months away because the purchase deadline is coming up um it was originally actually they extended it. Yeah. yeah so it was originally february 1st but they did extend it to february 12th 12th yeah 12th yeah so that's your purchase deadline so you've got about a month and like a half to make those final purchases and get your ass to chicago and come party with us because it's going to be so much fun it's a really great lineup. They're still working on adding a couple more people. But yeah, so you've got about another month and a half before that goes out the window. So if you want to come party with us, if you want to come to the convention, it's OCEproductions.com. But otherwise, that is all we've got for tonight. We hope you enjoyed this little surprise. And we will see you guys on Friday. Bye. <laughs>